Episode 6, The Insomniac Edition, Part 1. You may be wondering why I'm talking to you at 12.32 a.m. It's not that complicated. Despite today having been a long, very long day, I have not been able to sleep for some time. For a long time. You know, it's one of those nights where you're so tired you feel like passing out, but you can't actually pass out because your brain refuses to shut down for the night. If you do, then you also know that my head hurts so much and that I am becoming more and more tempted to jump off of a tree. I am lying in one right now and have found that banging my head against the trunk does not help with my headache at all. And unfortunately, there is no Tylenol or ibuprofen to save my soul. These restless nights are actually quite frequent for me. I just can't sleep sometimes. Like, it's impossible. I suspect that it might be because angels do not need sleep, and that being an immortal host that requires sleep contradicts that, and that the end result is insomnia and a really bad headache. Another theory is that I just need to cut back on the amount of caffeine I consume. Maybe it's that. I like drinking coffee in the morning, but maybe I'm overdoing it. Nah, that's not it. It's probably the angel thing. Anyway, I figured I would chat with you for a bit. Sometimes, when Samuel the Crow goes on and on about the Revolutionary War, I find myself dozing off. He literally talks me to sleep. Maybe I can do that with myself. Talk myself to sleep. If Samuel can do it, then so can I. Of course, I'm not going to talk about the Revolutionary War. I mean, I know a few things about it from Hamilton, which Samuel knows by heart because he's just that obsessed. But I'm not willing to ramble about it for long hours. I'm more into stuff that's like, um, actually interesting. Local news and new ice cream flavors and gossip. Things you can casually talk about over coffee. So, I guess I just talk. I just ramble. Rant. Whatever they say. Talk until I fall asleep. What, what should I talk about? There's nothing super interesting going on in Silver Hollow right now. Well, come to think of it, the fact that they call it Sleepy Silver Hollow doesn't really make sense. This place doesn't make me sleepy at all. If it did, then I wouldn't be here talking to you right now because of how restless I am. I'm not really sure where Silver Hollow got that part of its nickname. That's another thing that I need to research about this town. But I guess Silver Hollow doesn't have the same ring as Sleepy Silver Hollow, so... Oh, well, I guess there's some gossip I could tell you about. I'm not too big of a gossiper, but I have nothing else to talk about, so... Oh, how about this? Last Monday, I saw a young couple walking down the park. They were holding hands and smiling and talking about the few, all that cliche stuff. Nothing interesting at first. Then suddenly, the guy got down on one knee and the girl started freaking out. He opened the box in his hand, and the ring looked like it came from a Happy Meal. But the girl was ecstatic. The guy said, Sasha, will you make me the happiest man in the world and marry me? 
Sasha said yes, shrieking so loudly people stopped to stare. The guy put the Happy Meal ring on Sasha's finger, and Sasha looked so happy she might pass out. But just as they were about to embrace, get this, a flock of pigeons came and carried the guy away. No joke, it was, it was literally just a huge flock of pigeons came down from the sky, and they just grabbed the guy and just flew off. Sasha screamed the guy's name, which was apparently Dave, and Dave, and Dave screamed Sasha's name. Sasha tried to hold on to his leg, but the pigeons were too strong. They swept Dave away, carried him off into the sky, and he was never heard from since. The pigeon part isn't the thing that really intrigues me. Rather, it's the romance part, I guess. Poor Dave and Sasha. Alas, their love was not meant to be. Now, human romances are quite weird. Feelings are weird. Feelings are very dramatic. And love is also a weird thing. The humans described it as butterflies being in your stomach, but I don't know how that makes sense, because if you ate butterflies, then they would be digested in your stomach acid and they wouldn't be flying around. If they did, that would be the most horrifying thing I'd ever experience. Well, next to having rats eat your guts while you're awake. I know the butterfly thing is supposed to be a metaphor, but in my opinion, it's a weird, scary metaphor that should not be used. Also, humans have really weird, odd dating rituals. There's this whole process to establishing a secure romantic relationship with another member of the Homo sapiens species. First, you have to glance at them and blush when they're around and ask how they're doing. You have to check to see if they have any interest in you back. You do things like slick your hair back with gel and wear the most fashionable outfits and make horrible jokes to really get them to like you. Then you must confess your romantic love, which can be through letters or texts or verbal speech. Then you must go out and together you must do these leisurely activities like watching movies and eating ice cream, which is dubbed dating. I like ice cream. I think that's the only really good aspect about dating. Then there's a whole bunch of other complicated steps to, you know, all that. You get the deal. In the end, you must have an entire ceremony involving flowers and rings, and you have to get legal documents signed, etc. So complicated. In the spiritual-slash-heavenly plane, things are a lot different. For one, we actually have a wide range of different emotions, so there isn't necessarily an emotion that is the equivalent to romance. And even if there is a certain someone we have a profound interest in, we just go up to them and spend time with them and that's it. We can't really do anything beyond that. But in the human world, there's this whole thing with gift giving and saying words of affirmation and the occasional psychological manipulation. It's so complicated, sometimes I wonder why humans even bother. But I know how important emotional bonds are to humans, so... Oh, there's also this whole thing with, like, romance novels. You know, romance romance novels. And vampire romance novels. I, I often wonder why they exist. Oh my stars, I should have told you this sooner, but, you know, Grey, the engineering guy who likes Rubik's Cubes and being mean to people actually went through the most horrible twilight phase when he was younger. It was hilarious to watch. 
Mickey cut his own hair to form a monstrous hairstyle and wore a hood all the time and hissed when people got too close. Oh man, I wish I had recorded that one time when he tried to drink actual blood. Like, he had a cup full of cold deer blood filled to the brim. I don't know how he got it. He just, but like, in the end, he just ended up throwing up so badly, I had him go to the hospital just to be safe. But he's alive now, so it must not have been that bad. It's a good thing the hospital workers in Silver Hollow aren't anything like our police force. The doctors and nurses are all licensed professionals with medical degrees and years of experience. If only the elites were like that. But no, they're just a bunch of stupid six-year-olds who tattletale and earn junk food as pay. Oh, okay, um, of course, love isn't just restricted to plain old romance, I think, yeah? Yeah, that, yeah, that's right. There's also a platonic love, love for your family, love for yourself, etc. Et and it isn't just romantic love that makes you do the stupidest things, whether it's giving up your sweet old boyfriend for a cool vampire that gaslights you, or drinking a cup of raw blood for fun. People do stupid things for their friends and family. People do stupid things in general, on their own accord. I've done, like, too many stupid things to count. Some of those stupid things have cost me. One in particular, the memory's still fresh, it would be hard for me to forget about the incident. It's the one that got me stuck in this mortal vessel. The one that got me stuck in Silver Hollow. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. I love Silver Hollow. It's a great place, and the people are wonderful. But it's not, it's, it's, it's not really the same as the heavens. I wish I can remember what it feels like to just be a creature of pure light and power. What it feels like to watch the hundreds of worlds turn, to simply exist next to the stars and suns. Then I had to make that one decision and get myself stuck in a mortal body that needs so many things to keep itself alive. Food, water, air, optimal temperature, sleep. I don't regret what I did, but sometimes, I don't know, I wonder what might have happened if I didn't do it. I doubt you would be alive right now if I didn't do what I did. I know, I know it's not right for me to meddle in the lives of mortals, but I, I, I don't know. Morals are fickle. Mortals are fickle. I mean, I can remember that day quite clearly. I was spectating the planet, switching through each one like you would with TV channels. Occasionally, I would stumble across an interesting mortal life that I would tune into for a while. I've seen heartbreaks, betrayals, murders. I've also seen acceptance, forgiveness, happiness, success. It depends on the planet. Some tend to be more sad, some are more happy. The planet Earth is a fine balance, but there isn't anything really interesting about it. Just regular humans going about their regular human lives, the same pattern and routine every day with the occasional surprise. I rarely turned into the tunes. Oh my god, I'm so tired. I rarely tuned into the Earth Channel, but on that day, I was feeling curious, so I did. I ended up watching a small town in Ohio for most of my time. Just as I had suspected, nothing interesting in particular to look at. Kids chasing, af chasing after an ice cream truck, teenagers riding their bikes to video stores, 
adults planting vegetable gardens and having iced tea on their porch. A typical sunny summer day. Maybe I liked watching humans laze about not having much to worry about. Maybe I wanted a break from spectating the intergalactic wars that were taking place a couple of distances away. Either way, I spent a long time just watching the humans of Ohio live their carefree lives, observing the many idiosyncrasies of moody teenagers, people's strange fondness of soft-serve ice cream, children's fascination for toy trucks. It was a good thing I decided to stay tuned on that channel, because if I didn't, then, well, you get it. I was looking at some kids kicking sand in each other's eyes in the sandbox, which was hilarious, and then I saw you running by. You were a lot different back then. I think I, you were 10 years old when I first met you. Like, you wore glasses, and there was a slight gap in your teeth, and you had a strange fascination for Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. You were a scrawny kid, and immediately I saw the red marks on your skin. I've watched Earthlings enough to know what burn marks looked like. You were running as if your life depended on it. Several blocks away was a woman who stopped to ask people if they saw her son. Plain logic told me that you were her son, and that you had run away, and now she was after you. Now. Basic Angel Protocol states that us heavenly beings should not meddle in the lives of mortals. Their business is their business, and our business is ours. Normally, when I see a human child running away from their guardian slash supervisor, uh, my initial reaction is to assume that they ran away for a stupid reason. Like, they didn't get to stay up late to watch a TV show, or they didn't get to have mac and cheese for dinner. But the burn marks on your arms and legs definitely caught my attention. And there was something about your mother that kind of bothered me. She seemed eerily calm and cheerful in front of people. Then when their backs were turned, there was sort of a burning hatred in her eyes. Like, not just plain anger. Hatred. Like, she was going to do something to you once she got her hands on you. And then I discovered, like, that underneath her sleeve there was a small knife. Like, an actual knife. Barely visible. And that was what really made me suspicious. I mean, mothers don't just carry knives around on a walk. Like, who who would... Anyway, oh my god. Who am I saying god? Why am I saying oh my god? I don't even... I am god. Anyway, anyways. Anyways. You were fast, but she was faster. Any moment then, she was going to catch up to you. And the terror on your face, the tears in your eyes, it made me feel that stupid feeling called sympathy. I should have switched the channel and saved myself the trouble, but I couldn't tear myself away from the scene. For some strange reason, I felt as though I had to do something to prevent you from enduring any more harm. So, you know what I did. I went down to the scene, my angel form essentially being beyond the visible color spectrum for humans, so I was literally invisible. I gently shifted the wind so that it blew in a certain direction, which caught your attention. I got a couple of leaves to float down our particular path. The path led to a small ditch, which could hide a small child from plain sight. You were obviously surprised by this miracle. 
You hurried down the path, running as fast as your little legs could carry you, and you jumped into the ditch. I watched as you crouched down low so that your mother couldn't see you. Your mom searched the area for a couple of minutes, but then she left, looking even angrier. There was a manic look in her eyes, a dangerous glint. After making sure you were safe, I went to the nearest empty house and dialed the standard American human distress number, which was 911. How I knew the house was empty, how I knew what 911 was, even though I was an angel at the time and I was supposed to be concerned about bigger things, that, that's all the work of my uncanny angel intelligence, I, I suppose. So 911 was called. I communicated to them that you were in danger through a method that was not actually verbal human English, since I was not familiar with the language at the time, but rather I used a seamless telepathic bond that conveyed abstract messages, which wasn't all that strange as long as you didn't think too much about it. And the police were dispatched. Surprisingly, they came in no time. And don't worry, these were, these were real police. This was in Ohio. This was a real police, not some stupid tattletale kindergartner. So, yeah. Yeah, you you know that. Hearing the police sirens and seeing the flashing lights, you dashed out of the ditch and ran to the police. You hugged one of the officer's legs so tightly. It was like... What, what was that phrase again? You crushed their bones? You did not literally crush their bones, which would have been horrible, but you clinged onto that police officer like they were a life raft. Your mom must have heard the police from far away because she suddenly appeared from down the block. She rushed towards the police, putting up her calm frontier. She apologized for the inconvenience, told the police that you were a problematic kid and tried to grab you. You pulled away screaming and sobbing. It was so quick, the change in your mom's attitude. In that minute, she just snapped. She pulled out the knife she had hidden in her sleeve, and she brought it down, aiming for your neck. Instinctively, I pushed her away, sending her onto the concrete sidewalk. If I hadn't, you probably most likely would have died. All of this happened in less than a second, and it took several, took several more moments for the police to process what had happened. To them, it must have looked like your mother just tried to attempt murder, but she missed and stumbled backward. A simple miracle. They hurried to grab her, putting handcuffs on her, and the knife was kicked away. It fell into the gutter nearby. Your mom yelled and sweared, struggling against the officers. Then she was dragged into the police car and away from sight. You were such a small kid then, and what happened must have been a terrifying experience for you. I mean, I can't imagine what it must have felt like. Do you still remember what happened that day? It's weird to think that you're literally an adult now. I assume the incident left a lasting mark on you. It's hard to shake off things like this very easily. And, um, you know a very rough idea of what happened to me after. I've never been super open about this. I think I've given you a very broad overview and nothing more. But here's what happened after that incident. I didn't think that what I did was all that big of a deal at the time. I didn't think anybody would notice. But as soon as I went back to the heavens, I was summoned to court. 
The other spirits had quickly found out what I had done. Angel court's not that different from human court, but I guess there are a lot more judges when it comes to angel court. My trial wasn't very long, considering what I had done was considered a great offense to the so-called angel protocol, and it was very clear. It was evident that I deserved a punishment for what I had done. Simple as that. Morals are fickle, but I thought that what I had done was right. I continued to stand my ground, insisting that the judges were wrong. They did not enjoy hearing that. The judges sentenced me to live on earth as a mortal being. They decided that reducing me to a lowly domestic cat would serve me right. And so it was carried out as so. I have actually lost track of how many years I have left in my sentence. The moment I was banished to earth, I was stripped of my dignity, of my power, of everything that made me divine. I lost touch with the heavenly world. I do not regret what I did to save you, but sometimes, I hate to admit this, admit, admit this, but the, but the thought of being banished from the heavens, it, it, just, it just makes me feel ashamed. It, then I woke up in Silver Hollow, disoriented. Even now, I, re I wonder if the judges had a particular reason for why they put me in this strange, secluded town. I I'm not complaining. In my opinion, Silver Hollow is the best place to be on Earth. And the moment you cross the borders, emerging from the evergreen trees... Oh my god, I am so tired. Several years after the incident, I recognized you immediately. You did not recognize me at first, because I was but a being of light when we first met. But once we got to know each other, you found out. You were very emotional when the truth was revealed. Like, I get that humans are emotional, but you literally just broke down into tears. It was a bit awkward, but it was also kind of nice. I think that day I might have taken you to the Cloverwood speakeasy. While most parts of my memory are amazingly sharp, there are st still some small tidbits that my mortal brain manages to lose. Maybe it was that day I took you to the Cloverwood speakeasy to calm you down with an orange smoothie, or maybe it was that other time with the... No, no, never mind. Ambrose, I do not regret saving you at all. While sometimes I do think that my punishment is a curse, most times I sort of imagine it as a blessing. Which is weird because I'm an angel and I'm the one who's supposed to be giving the blessings. And, and, but, but yeah. Story time's over. All of that talking actually managed to make me a bit more tired than I am. But yeah, I feel a little bit sleepy now. I think I'll be able to sleep a bit tonight. I know you probably won't get this letter until much later, um, but I'm glad that you're here to listen. Maybe I'll talk to you like this again in the future. Maybe I'll reminisce less about the past and talk about something much more lighthearted next time. I could talk about the new movie that's coming next month, or about the town gossip. Um, local authorities are still trying to reach Dave. Um, maybe he's off in like some weird pigeon island. I don't know, nobody knows. In the meantime, I'm just going to sleep. Good night from your friend, Willis.
Sleepy Silver Hollow is a production of Crowned Crow's Corner. Episodes are written and produced by August Crest. Cover art is also by August Crest. New episodes are released bi-weekly on Saturdays. For more information, visit our website, crownedcrowscorner.com. Thank you for enjoying this episode.